This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Sabu makes a rare appearance. The Steiner Brothers shove a pencil up somebody's ass. Arn Anderson pukes all over everybody. And I go on an epic rant about indignant internet wrestling fans. Nah. I'm your host Seth Grimes. And this right here is the one and only Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Fuck it over in the ring, but we didn't do like a, you know, we didn't have a, what do you call it? Uh, a rehearsal. A rehearsal. I'm sorry. Uh, but. I was practicing under my breath. Sure. You know, I had to get the words right. I think I'm cute. I got goals. <laughs> I got the moves that make them all tap out. The angle slam, the ankle lock. Marty Janetti still can't walk. I'm just a sexy Kurt. Sexy Kurt. I'll make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. That, that was just priceless. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> you know, even Sean put it over. <laughs> I mean, Marty Janetti still can't walk is the funniest line yeah. ever. Uh, I'm just a sexy Kurt, sexy Kurt. I'll make your ankle hurt, ankle hurt. Don't you just love that kind of shit? Isn't that why we watch wrestling is for moments just like that? An Olympic gold medalist in the ring singing the Heartbreak Kids theme song, beating up Marty Janetti. Manhandling sensational Sherry. This is what wrestling dreams are made of. That and the five-star matches. And that's what Kurt was talking about on this podcast with Mr. Conrad Thompson. They were talking about one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. WrestleMania 21 between Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels. Kurt also talked about the time that his Olympic gold medal, his most prized possession in the world, was stolen from him. From a wrestling show. Check this out. Of course, instead of hanging the intercontinental titles above the ring for you to climb the ladder for, now you've got your Olympic gold medal. Gold medal. We've had people online ask, did you ever actually use your real Olympic gold medal in any of your WWE stuff? Or was that in the safe at the house? I did. When I started, I used my gold medal and I used it religiously. I also had about 15 other gold medals, but, uh, the one real gold medal was, uh, had green, um, material on it. Yeah. So, um, then uh, what happened was a few months after I debuted, I was in Baltimore at a show and we just got done. It was a TV and I went outside and there were about 5,000 fans waiting there. It was where the wrestlers parked. Right. And I said, Oh man, they're going to, you know, they're going to want my autograph. So I put my bag down to sign autographs and my gold medal was in it. Well, one of the fans stole it. <laughs> so, uh, long, I'll, I'm going to tell you the longer story. This is crazy. So I was going to call the police, yeah. but I did, I called Vince McMahon instead. So I, what I did is I called Vince and, uh, he didn't answer. And, uh, so I hung the phone up and I said, someone stole my gold medal and thank God a fan, uh, called that fan that stole it on their cell phone and said, Hey, you, you just, uh, 
you know, that, that bag didn't have t-shirts and merchandise in it. It had Kurt's real gold medal. Yeah. You need to bring it back. So the fan brought it back. He said he found it around the corner next oh, to a bus. Yeah. Whatever. I was like, whatever, but thanks for bringing it back. I appreciate it. So long story short, I stopped using my gold medal right then and there. Vince McMahon decided to make three duplicates uh, that looked exactly like the gold medal. They weren't gold, but they were made out of metal. And um, I used those. Two of them got stolen uh, by a couple of the fans. Whenever I would have my match, I would go out to the ring, take my medal off, place it on the mat or on the steps and wrestle my match. And one of the fans hopped over and grabbed the medal and hopped back and wow. ran away. So that happened twice. So there was only one left, one duplicate left by the time I left the WWE. You know, I'd heard, I think it was Conrad who actually asked somebody else, might have been Bruce or something, if before he had the podcast with Kurt, he had asked one time, did Kurt bring his actual gold medal because it looked real on TV? And he was told, no, I don't think Kurt actually brought his real gold medal. Well, Kurt actually brought his real gold medal for his first little while. He was using his gold medal until it ended up missing. He put his bags down to sign an autograph, as you heard. Some fuck walks away with it. Luckily, he got it back. He did the smart thing. Instead of calling the cops, he called Vince. Vince put out the fucking mafia against the whoever stole the shit, right? That story he told about how Vince had somebody track down the guy who threw a ball at Stephanie. That's not somebody you want to fuck with. But Kurt's lucky he got his gold medal back, and then Vince made him a couple extra replicas, and then he started using those instead. I think he was a moron for even bringing it to begin with. You probably should have asked Vince right off the bat to make him a couple extras, because once that shit's gone, that shit's gone. I don't think you can go to the Olympic gold medal store and just ask him to make you up a new one. You know, like when you lose your key or something, and you can just get a new key copied made. But Kurt Angle's podcast continues to entertain... He tells a lot of great stories. Uh, this one was fun to listen to because that's one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. It's one of my favorite WrestleManias of all time. So you get the, the peripheral stuff. You know, you get the Marty Jannetty match, the sensational Sherry Angle, the uh, singing of the song. All of that is vintage Kurt Angle. All of that is when I think of my favorite moments from Kurt Angle. Those are amongst the best right there. That that angle leading up to that WrestleMania match and that amazing WrestleMania match that they had. Good shit. Highly recommend you go check that out. That's going to be the Kurt Angle Show every single Sunday. Go check it out before you die of AIDS. Three words, seven syllables, exploding barbed wire death match uh uh before i jump into all of that i i was so excited a couple weeks back when the announcement was made and that is uh the exploding barbed wire death match um uh, seriously i was a big fan of fmw back in the day and the fact that you're bringing this match back you know what what brought that decision on, and why are you bringing such a historic matchup to Revolution on Sunday? Uh, the first person who asked me about it was Kenny Omega, and he asked me about it a really long time ago. And I thought it was a good idea, and I slotted it in for Revolution. It was like, he was right. It's something nobody had done, and I thought it was the same as you. I, I like those matches a lot, and 
people are still talking about those 25 years later and they're great matches. Nobody's done anything quite like it on American pay-per-view, especially big companies. And we thought it would be a great thing to try. And at the time, Kenny brought it up to me. It wasn't necessarily the situation present day at that point wasn't right for doing an exploding barbed wire death match. But at this point with Kenny and John, I think it's time. The stakes have been raised as high as they can go. And it's a very, very different type of world title match on pay-per-view than most of them. It's not typical, but I'm really excited for it. And I think it's got huge buzz. And on Sunday, I think it's going to be a really big pay-per-view for us. Tony Khan sounds excited. I mean, I would be pretty excited too if I could pay a couple people to blow them, blow them, blow them, blow themselves up and bleed all over the fucking place. Um, no, this is interesting. This is, I know there's a lot of wrestling purists out there and a lot of people that just fancy themselves wrestling purists because they hear wrestling purists on the internet and they want to sound cool. So they want to be like, I don't want to see a butterbutter death match. But for those of you who have actually seen a barber, now I'm an old school juggalo. Don't tell anybody that because I don't want that to get around, but I'm an old school juggalo. Back in the day, in the high school days and shit, with the clowns and the face paint and stuff. And one of the things that was big about the clowns is they were wrestling fans. And this was before they were even in WWE and uh, WCW. They were wrestling fans. And they did a DVD, uh, VHS even at the time, I think, called Strangle Mania. Which was a bunch of Japanese death matches overdubbed by their ridiculous commentary. And they covered all of these Onita exploding barbed wire death matches. They were on this tape, and I was watching this shit. And then you go back and you watch. I had a friend whose brother was a tape collector, and he had the actual, like, King of the Deathmatch tournament on tape that Mick Foley won, and Terry Funk was the runner-up on. And when you watch these matches, these are exciting matches. They're not just blood and guts. They are blood and guts. There are a lot of blood and guts. But they're not just blood and guts. There's an element of uh, anticipation. I don't know. There's just something. To me, it's a spectacle. Wrestling is wrestling. Tony Khan's not going to book a match like this. Now, I fully would expect Moxley to have a have a barbed wire exploding death match on anybody's show, regardless of whether it was safe or not. But what I'm getting at here is I don't think they're going to put this match together with the idea of let's just go out there and die. I think they're going out there to work the gimmick as the young rock would say, right? They're going out there to work the gimmick of the barbed wire death match. Yes. They're going to bleed. Yes, they're going to explode and blow up and, and die and stuff, but it's going to be in a working way, I think. I think it's going to be fairly safe. I think it's going to be creatively done. I think it's going to be intense. I think it's going to be one of those on the edge of your seat uh, on the edge of your seat things because the thing with the exploding ring is you never know when somebody's going to blow up and what that's going to look like. And in the case of Mick Foley from wrestling in Japan, you can actually have like nasty burns and shit all over yourself that can scar you for life like 
I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be nice and safe. I think they're going to have prop guys and special effects. Not special effects, but like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Stunt people, coordinators, movie stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to be done as safely as it can possibly be done. But this is this is uncharted territory. Even ECW, probably because they just couldn't really afford to do it properly uh, without buying cheap shit and actually killing somebody. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there was an exploding barbed wire death match in ECW that I'm just not aware of. But I, to my belief, I don't think I remember any kind of explosions in ECW. This will be the first, to my knowledge, exploding barbed wire death match in the United States. And it's for a major promotion on national TV. It won't be on national TV, but the promotion's on national TV. And this is between two megastars. Two omega stars, if you will, baby. So this is one hell of a match. It's going to be a spectacle. It's not going to be your five-star mat classic by any stretch. Don't fucking go into this thinking that that's what you're going to get. And don't be mad because that's not what you're going to get. There's all these douchebags out there that are so, like, they become indignant about wrestling. You know, like, I listen to Wade Keller's podcast, and I used to subscribe to The Torch and listen to all their shit, and they just become increasingly bitchier and negative and complainy, and, oh, I didn't like this in the wrestling match because these guys could have got hurt for real. I didn't like Tully Blanchard wrestling because he's so old, he could get hurt. These are fucking wrestlers in a professional wrestling ring. Fuck off with that shit. First of all, you're not a wrestler. You don't know anything, okay? These guys are tough guys in a tough guy business, and they know how to work. Tully Blanchard, if you watch what he was doing in the ring there, and I know I'm off on a tangent right now, but just fucking go with me. If you were watching Tully Blanchard, yeah, Blanchard, yeah, he looked old and slow and all that shit, but he was also probably the best worker in that ring still. He was right there with Dax and fucking Harwood, for sure. Or Dax and Wheeler, or whatever the fuck cash... Shut up. Doesn't matter. FTR. Tully Blanchard works circles around fucking the dinosaur guy. And Marco. This is a business designed for tough guys to do tough guy shit. So don't get on your fucking high horse. Go, I want to see tough guys hurt each other i think they took a big risk when they did their bump off the top rope and they did the you don't even know what you're talking about you're regurgitating bullshit that you hear from bullshit people on the internet who in wade i love wade i love wade keller huge fan but he's become increasingly uh i don't even know the word for it he's like becoming an old grandma or something like to get worried about guys like the Stinger when Sting got powerbombed. Oh my god, Sting got power. I just don't need to see that. Fuck off. You don't think Sting knows what he can handle? You don't think Brian Cage can take care of him? These are professional wrestlers. These aren't fragile-ass old men. Even if they are fragile-ass old men, they're tough guy fragile-ass old men. They'll kick your fucking ass. So this whole idea about... Where people get indignant and I don't want to see this in a wrestling. Like people, you're allowed to like your shit. 
I'm not saying that if you don't like barbed wire exploding death matches, you're wrong. Because you're not. You're allowed to like your type of wrestling. What I'm getting mad at is the people that get indignant about it. You can say, ah, it's not for me. I don't really care to see that. But when you start taking the stance of, this is not safe. This is not professional. I do not want to see this in 2020. I don't need to see guys blowing up. You guys don't need to get hurt. Fuck off with all of that, okay? These guys can do anything that they want to do. They're trained professionals. They're going to do it in the most professional way that they possibly can with the least amount of risk. And you guys are just being a bunch of sallies. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. You're all being a bunch of sallies about this kind of shit. Let wrestlers be wrestlers. Let Tully Blanchard get in the ring. Because you know what? He's a tough guy. And he'll kick your fucking ass right now if you step on his lawn. Doesn't matter if he's an old man. Let Sting get powerbombed. The dude's been wrestling for fucking 30 years. Just because Seth Rollins fucked him up. Doesn't mean that he's a fucking cripple and, and, and can't fucking work a lick anymore. The dude can take a power bomb. The dude can't get fucking whiplashed into the buckle bomb. And WWE banned the buckle bomb, by the way, which is a smart move. Some moves just don't need to be done. And I know I'm kind of contradicting myself. I don't need to see guys get hurt. Some moves are just too risky. And I think a buckle bomb, because you can't see where you're going, and the guy throwing you can't really see exactly where he's putting you either and and the 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 move doesn't even look that impressive so it's like what the what's the fucking point right work smart not hard don't kill people but at the same time these are tough guys in a tough guy business who's been doing it for years and years and years and years and i think people along with this whole fucking woke culture and this whole uh just cancel culture and just all of that mentality going into everything. I think the heart is in the right place, but I think there's also a lot of people that just want to sound, they're looking for their soapbox, right? They want, they want, it's like, it's like wrestling virtue signaling. And I think there's too much of that. There's too much of that in the punditry. And you know what? I'm bringing it back. I'm going to bring back a little attitude because it needs to be done. And let these guys blow each other up and bleed all over the place. It'll be fun. It's fun. It's good times. You don't need to like it. I'm not trying to tell you to like it. I'm trying to tell you to shut the fuck up about being indignant about it. Because you have no place to be indignant about what wrestlers choose to want to do in a wrestling ring sanctioned by a professional wrestling company. This isn't a backyard match. This isn't a bunch of fucks playing with fucking rusty shit from from the alleyway or something. This is a professional show, so just fuck off with it. On Chris Van Vliet's Insight Podcast this week, Sabu. That's right, the hardcore legend. Not McFoley, not Sandman, or any other hardcore guy, Tommy Dreamer, all that shit. Sa-fucking-boo was on the Insight podcast with Chris Van Vliet. A rare appearance by Sabu, by the way. You don't see or hear from Sabu all that much here in the wrestling business, especially hear from. Dude used to never even talk. He just lived the gimmick, but now in the kayfabeless world that we live in, he's talking just not very well and not very much. But he talked to Chris Van Vliet this week, and this is exactly what he had to say 
about his time in WWE. Check this out. Yeah. What would you say was the biggest difference between Sabu and ECW and then Sabu and WWE's version of ECW? They said they wanted the WWE version, but when I got there, I mean, the, the ECW version, when I got there, they wanted to make it a new version. So softened me down. I already toned myself down and they were toning me down more. Every match they were toning me down. Hmm. In, in what ways do you feel like they really toned you down the most? Well, they'll say, uh, if I jump off the chair and do a kick, they go, you can't do that. I go, why? He goes, that's, that's Jeff Hardy's spot. That's a shit. And I go, I'm going to break a table leg. No, no, no. Elijah Burke's going to break a table leg. I go, but it's my gimmick. Not here it is. That's what they said. Is there anything I said I invented? They said, you didn't invent it here. Yeah. And I mean, you weren't able to use the chairs as much as a weapon like you were able to. Oh, in the, the first couple months, first few weeks, I yeah. did use that like I always did. And they slowly took it, everything away. Yeah. We, we would do NCW, WWE, uh, hardcore or uh, extreme matches on the road. And there would be no extreme matches. We, we wouldn't even break the table or use a chair. I think to a large extent, Sabu just was hard to work with. Um, I think there was a resistance for a guy like Sabu to change his style. You know, you hear him talk about, oh, they didn't want me to do this. They didn't want me to do that. They didn't want me to do this. So I invented the table spot. Well, you didn't invent it here because that's somebody else's here. I invented the chair. Well, that's somebody else's using it. Sabu, as great as he was in ECW, had the potential because he was great. He was great. Sabu was not only just exciting to watch in a hardcore style, but he could actually wrestle. I mean, he couldn't wrestle like Kurt Angle, but the dude was entertaining to watch in the ring. But when he decides that, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't work for me, brother. When you go to WWE and that's your mentality, you have to know when you go to a company like that, that this is not the bingo hall. All right. This is not barbed wire city. This is WWE. This is the big time. This is the big show. This is mainstream. This is going to be on ESPN and fucking whatever else. You know what I'm saying? The news. This is in the public eye. Your bingo halls were not in the public eye. They were big. They were popular with wrestling fans. They were not mainstream. Now you are a mainstream wrestler in the WWE. Now you have to change your style. We want you because we see potential in you. We don't want you because we like you exactly the way you are. That's another thing. People will, why did they ask me to come work for them then if they wanted me to change everything that I do? Dude, you can't work that way for the mainstream company. You can work mostly that way. You just got to dial it back and there's shit you can't do and there's shit that you can't do because it's got to wait for another show or somebody else is doing it. And because you are a new guy here, whether you have clout in the bingo hall community or not, you have zero clout backstage in WWE. So if you want that paycheck and you want that opportunity to be even bigger than you are because make no mistake about it sabu is one of the biggest stars in professional wrestling ever already just based on what he did in ecw uh you know he's he made a big name for himself in japan but a lot of people obviously over here didn't see that and that was earlier in his career but when it came to wcw 
he had what a cup of coffee there if that when he was in wwe was a couple cups of coffee but sabu in his own words they didn't want me to do what i wanted to do well you don't you work for me now you don't get to do what you want to do they didn't try to change him and turn him into eugene they didn't turn they didn't pitch him Kerwin white he was sabu he was jumping off the top rope and jumping through the ropes and jumping over the ropes and hitting people with chairs and he was the wild man he was the fucking elephant boy right but he was a different elephant boy he was wwe's version of the elephant boy he was tamed down and that's what you need to be you gotta realize this is wwe you can't go into a company like that and expect that you're just gonna do whatever the fuck you want work exactly how you did on the indies they retrain everybody this is a new place now this is a new way of doing things we like you we want you here we like your style we need you to tone it down a little bit and sabu was a guy that just didn't want to do that he had no interest in being anything other than exactly what he always was in ecw and i don't mean that he was uh not able to take work direction you know he worked fine with paulie i just think sabu was very close-minded as a worker i think he had an idea of what he was and what he needed to be what he wanted to be what he thought his fans would appreciate what style he thought was the right way to present and and it just doesn't work like that. He he was, you know, uh, what would have been different with ECW? He was asked, uh, you know, what, what could WWE have done different with the ECW brand once they started it? And he said, just let it, just let it be, you know, let it, let us be ECW and run it completely separate from WWE and don't touch it. You can't do that. You can't. Did they fuck up ECW? Yeah, because ECW is not a brand that... ECW is a brand that needed to be on its own. It needed to be its own thing. You can't WWEize ECW. And even if they would have brought it on and let it be its own thing, they really couldn't have fully brought it on because they're a public traded company. They can't just, oh, we're going to just do barbed wire and blood and guts all day every day. They can do a little bit of it here and there. But you can't. Just make that your lifestyle. They can't be the old ECW locker rooms. It can't. He just, he was never going to fit in there. And I don't think he tried. Now, I could be completely wrong. I wasn't there. But from every other interview I've ever heard and from words from Sabu's mouth himself on how he explains things, he was just not going to fit in in WWE for the long term. A legend, a fantastic career. But he could have been so much bigger if he would have just gave in just a little bit. He didn't need to be Kerwin White. He got to be Sabu still. But he had to be a different Sabu. And he wasn't willing to do that. I would go out of your way to check out this interview just because of the rarity of it. It was not a good interview. Sabu is probably one of the most difficult interviews Chris has had to deal with in a long time. Um, it was felt like just listening to it it felt like pulling teeth a little bit he's not a talkative guy he wasn't difficult in the sense of being a dick or or just not wanting to talk to chris he just doesn't have anything to say he's not a talker he's a he stands there and looks intimidating he 
And he's not a happy guy in general. He's kind of a miserable fuck. So interesting interview, worth going out of your way to check out because of the rarity of it. He also had that genie chick with her. Apparently she's got her leg chopped off by the doctors too, and that's a whole thing they talk about. Um, they got GoFundMes and stuff. I'm not going to plug it here because I didn't write it down, and I'm not going to go back and check. But if you feel obliged, go check it out. And, and support all of their shit. Um, but yeah, ECW, Sabu on the Insight with Chris Van Vliet podcast. It was, it was certainly a rarity. We'll say that. It's happening. It's happening. It's finally fucking happening. I've been talking about this on the podcast for weeks now. I've been telling you about this storyline between QT Marshall and Fuego Del Sol. QT Marshall and Fuego Del Sol. The master of the Tornado DDT. They've been building this shit up for weeks and weeks and weeks. A couple months even, I would venture to say, on the Sammy's vlog. And finally... Just when you thought it was going to never happen because Glacier said no. The man himself, TK, steps in and had a little something to say. Check this out. The following announcement on Sammy Guevara's YouTube blog is brought to you by the owner, the general manager, the boss of AEW, Mr. Tony Khan. Thank you very much, Tony. Sammy uh, I'm here on your YouTube today to tell you that I've heard a lot of requests coming through about a QT and Fuego Del Sol match. And even though I limit my screen time, you don't see me make regular appearances on Dynamite, I have no problem showing up on Sammy's YouTube to help restore order. I think Glacier had some problem sanctioning a Fuego Del Sol versus QT match. I don't know why Glacier would be sanctioning anything involving QT because QT works for me. But don't worry, QT, I found a great venue for the Fuego Del Sol versus QT match. I know you guys are really close. Fuego doesn't even actually work here, but if he ever wants to show up on Dark ever again, Fuego and QT will be in the ring on March 9th on Dark to settle something. I'm not sure what. I don't really much care, but you guys better be there. Thank you very much, and Sammy, back to whatever the hell it was you were up to. Which is nothing. Yeah, probably. I love it. I love it. I love This was fucking brilliant storytelling. I don't know if Tony was in on it the whole time, and he's got ideas to build storylines on the YouTube videos too, or if, you know, if he's contributing storyline ideas to them, or if this is just something that Sammy would have come to him with and been like, hey, we're doing this thing. Do you want to do this thing? Whatever the fucking case may be, they had Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone, the Tonys. They had the Tony bros. While they're filming their Impact shit, clearly, because they were in their Impact garb, the promos that they do on on Impact and shit, how uh, uh, TK's wearing the, the heart glasses and shit. He made the match. He's putting it on dark. QT Marshall versus Fuego Del Sol. I'm so fucking pumped. I've never been more excited about a match on dark since maybe fucking... And I, I don't watch dark, but I'll tell you what I watched. I watched Brandon Cutler versus the fucking librarian, Peter Avalon. I watched that because they were building it up forever, ever. 
This one's been built up, man. I am telling you. I don't know why I don't know why Flago doesn't even have a contract. I hope he gets I hope he beats QT and gets offered a contract. I hope that's how this storyline pays off. They've been building it up so long. They've been making fun of Fuego for not having a contract, but he's there every single week. He's getting along with everybody. He fits right in just like a fucking glove, right? He's in all the skits. He's in all the videos and shit. He's fucking, he's fucking palling it up with Cody Rhodes. They got a secret handshake that they do. And then they got this double, uh, this, there's suit Cody, right? And then there's wrestling gear Cody and suit suit Cody fucking hates Flago del Sol doesn't even like him at all but uh this is it folks this is the match of the year on dark I'm telling you match quality who the fuck knows but I am so invested in this match and if you've been listening along with this podcast over the last couple weeks, then you are even just by proxy are invested in this match to a certain extent. Because you know that this is a match that they have been... And the build has been great. The, they've been building this thing for months, but the build has been great. It's been quality. They've been teasing it. And then pulling it away. And then fucking QT gets heat on him at the fucking Monster Factory. And then Glacier, Commissioner Glacier comes in and says, No, fuck, because QT uh, Flago sucks, so he can't wrestle him. They had him doubting. First there was QT. He was having nightmares in his head. He was daydreaming. He was zoning out, worrying about... The fucking tornado DDT. And then they spun it. They, they spun it on, on Fuego. And then they started getting Fuego doubting himself. They're like, bitch, you ain't beating nobody with the fucking DDT. That shit's just a work. We're just fucking around. Ain't nobody scared of your bullshit. After like a month or two of just building the most devastating move in the world is the tornado DDT. And he's the fucking master. Now, now Fuego's doubting himself, and he's in his head, and he's losing all these matches that he gets on Dark because he's a jobber, and he's not earning his keep to to get a match with QT. He's beneath QT, and then and then they talk Fuego into going to see QT at the Monster Factory while he's training, and he goes there to confront QT, and he gets jumped by some people, and then QT picks up the scraps and fucking hooks him with the cutter, and that's it. We're done. And then he fucking punks him out more. He bitch, you ain't ever getting a match with me. But now, fucking Tony Khan steps in himself on Sammy's vlog. What a fucking payoff to just come out and be like, bro, that match is going to happen on Dark. I don't remember the date. What do you say was the date? Was it uh, March? It was in March. March fucking 8th or 7th or 9th or somewhere in there. Whatever the dark is in that area, that's when you're going to fucking see it. But watch that match. Support that match. Comment in the YouTube notes and be like, this is the match I came for. Not my YouTube notes, but the fucking their YouTube notes so they know. Fuego del Sol is money. 
QT's good too. He's a fucking great heel, man. He's a scumbag. You get that scum, real good scumbag vibes from him, you know? Vibes. Just all around good shit. I'm excited. I popped when I saw that. So, highly recommend checking out the vlog every single Tuesday. But uh, also just watch that fucking match when that happens. Boom. On 83 Weeks this week, Eric Bischoff talks about walking in on Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra. Oh my. Check this out. So we're waiting around, waiting around, waiting for Dennis, waiting for Dennis. Call Dennis's room, nothing. Call Dennis's room, nothing. Dwight goes back, knocks on the door, nothing. Finally, it's getting, now we're getting a little nervous about it. So I finally, I go knock on the door and Dwight says, here, take a key to his room. Now, he has a big suite. It's like a two-bedroom suite, so it's a small apartment is what it really was um, at the Waldorf Astoria. So I take the key to Dennis's room. I'm pounding. I hear nothing. I'm pounding. I hear nothing. Finally, I go in. I could hear motion back in one of the bedrooms. So I think, okay, maybe he's up getting ready. So I knock on the door. Dennis, Dennis, let's go. Run late. I hear something mumble again. hear mumble again. So finally, I... I open the door and Dennis is just pounding Carmen Electra. I'm going, whoa. So now I'm and for those of you who are, have the benefit of watching this podcast on antfreeshows.com, I kind of crack the door open. It's kind of like Dennis, as I push the door open wider, <laughs> Dennis, it's time to go now, Dennis, Dennis, we better get, so yeah i i got uh, i got an eyeful look i don't fancy myself a peeping tom or any kind of pervert like that that's just gonna spy on people fucking but but if i was to just watch somebody have sex just randomly in the 90s the late 90s You'd be hard-pressed to find a better couple than a Dennis Rodman and a Carmen Electra. Can you imagine walking in and just seeing Carmen Electra's legs just up in the air, just fucking screaming, moaning? You see Rodman's bare-ass cheeks just plowing into her? That's magic. That's fucking magic. I would pay money to watch that happen. And Eric gladly took a look as he's so happy to tell us here. Great shit. Eric doesn't hold back. He shoots from the hip on every episode. He tells it like it is. He's not afraid to just say shit. He's not afraid to say, hey, I walked in to get Dennis Rodman. I heard him fucking Carmen Electra. And I stopped and just watched for a quick second before showing myself out. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? You can't tell me in your uptight, woke, blah, 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 that you wouldn't sit and watch them fucking for just a second or two. You know you would. Now, if it's just your grandparents or something, you're going to shut that door and you're going to curse the day you ever opened it. But you accidentally walk into Dennis Rodman just nailing, plowing Carmen Electra, right? Just giving her the fucking business. Full court press, right? You're watching. You're going to watch that. You're going to at least peek. Right? You're not going to sit and jerk one off and shoot on the carpet or anything like that. But you're going to take a peek. You have to. Curiosity. You just, you got to see what's going on. Don't blame them.
Eric also tells a story about just some little tiny harmless playful locker room ribbing with the Steiner brothers. Check this out. You were with these guys for a long time. We've heard from a lot of other folks that the Steiners would, uh, I don't know, haze, rib, pick on, uh, horrify, uh, certain talent and personnel backstage. Did you ever see any, uh, Tyler stunts uh, or, or Steiner stunts like that? Well, yeah, I think we talked about it a while back in Chattanooga, one of my first Halloween Havocs. Um, I was in a dressing room that was essentially a makeshift. Um, uh, it was a wrestling room, a wrestling mat room for collegiate wrestling that was turned into a makeshift dressing room while WCW was performing uh, in at, at the university in Chattanooga. And a referee, and I can't remember, oh, gosh, his name is on the tip of my tongue. No, Chip Burnham. It wasn't a referee. It was Chip Burnham, who uh, I think he worked with Gary Jester uh, as kind of a local promoter and, and organizer. He, he must have done something to irritate the Steiners. Um, and I mean, really, the ink was still wet on my contract. That's how early this was in my career. But I remember standing in the corner getting dressed, whatever, and I look over, and they're wrapping duct tape around Chip Burnham. His hands and his feet were all taped up. He was he had tape over his mouth so he couldn't scream. They had stripped his pants off and shoved a pencil up his ass and left him laying there for about an hour and a half. Oh my so God. yeah, I, I I got a I got an early taste of that, <laughs> that when I, as I was a talent a new talent in WCW. You know, in most circles that would be assault, maybe sexual assault, possibly rape, prison time, perhaps. But in professional wrestling, in a professional wrestling locker room, it's a joke. It's a joke. Everybody laugh. It's funny. Guy, look at look at the guy's tied up with duct tape. His mouth is taped shut, and he's got a pencil up his ass. It's funny. Ha <laughs> No, that's not assault. It's not rape. It's not a crime. It's just playful locker room banter. We're just ribbing. We're just joshing you. Just fucking around, trying to have a good time with Steiner Brothers. You know, back then in the wrestling business, it was a completely different era. Mark talks about, uh, when I say Mark, I talk about The Undertaker. We're on a first name basis. I call him Mark. It's not really a big thing. But anyway, when Mark talks about all the wrestlers in the back just play video games nowadays and he misses the old days where they were carrying around guns and shit. That's why they were carrying around guns. Because you ain't duct taping me and sticking pencils up my ass. I'm going to shoot your ass. And that's the kind of shit that they had to deal with back then. I think the wrestling business has changed for the better, personally. I think the more times you can go to work at a wrestling show backstage and, and not end up being raped or sexually assaulted, I think that's a, that's a win. I don't consider that... Uh, you know, the good old days with pencils up the ass and stuff. But you know what? To each his own. Mark Calloway, he probably has, you know, those are fond memories for him. He enjoys the days where people got duct taped and pencil raped. He likes that shit. All right? But I think nowadays the wrestling business is a whole lot better without guys like the Steiner Brothers raping people's assholes with pencils. Can you imagine? You know, to them it's a childish rib. But can you imagine being the weak, poor soul just getting manhandled by two collegiate fucking beasts of wrestlers 
physical specimens holding you down, tying you up with duct tape, tying your mouth with duct tape so that you can't yell and scream, and then shoving a number two pencil up your ass. I assume it was a number two. I'm not entirely sure. Can you imagine being that guy? Anyway, to each his own. Maybe he liked it. Who knows? You can check Eric Bischoff out every single Monday with Conrad Thompson, where they break down some kind of WCW bullshit or TNA bullshit. They talk about it. You listen. What more could you ask? It was Ask Arn Anything this week, and the internet came through. It was right here on this podcast last week that we talked about the New Day Feel the Power podcast, where Biggie Langston talked about posting a picture on a dating app of Arn Anderson shirtless ironing his shirt. Well, on Ask Arn Anything this week, multiple people wrote in and asked Arn if he had heard about this and what his thoughts were on this. Check it out. Here's one that we got a lot. Uh, Tristan wants to know, does Arn know that Big E set up an online dating profile with his picture and how much heat is that going to get double a at home? Well, I'm pretty sure that Aaron's not on any dating apps, so she didn't see it. But recently Big E revealed that he famously used your picture, ironing a shirt, I believe, uh, as a dating profile and had a little fun with it, but he doesn't think he ever even told you, have you heard about this story? Absolutely not. So I'm ironing a shirt. I think you were shirtless backstage, ironing one of your own shirts. He snapped a picture of you like a spy shot and set up a dating profile as you and never told you about it until just now. Well, number one, I'm certain it went viral, (laughs) which means big E now is responsible for making all those ladies uh, just miserable because they got turned down, obviously, because I am married for 30 some years, 38, I believe. I was supposed to say it's close to 40 now. Happily married for 38 years. So what big E did was throw me out his bait and no cigar, but I've not heard of that. I would love to see the messages he got though. Don't you? Was he pretending for a moment that that was who was at the end of the rainbow? Yeah. I think it's referred to in that world as catfishing. So instead of using his own photo and communicating with people as big E, he was communicating as Marty Lundy. Gotcha. And obviously they, them thinking that the voice and the picture was all in the same person. I really hope that he was respond. He was getting some messages from some ladies and they would be like, well, how are you doing? And he'd be like, well, I don't mean to brag, but to uh, toot my own horn, but toot toot. I mean, I hope he used all your old lines. Is it that gimmick infringement? You know, Arn's got a great sense of humor. He didn't give a shit at all. He just kind of chuckled it off and is what it is. Right. Arn also was asked about some stories from the road. And he told this great story about burping and blowing it in people's faces. And here's how that turned out for him. Check this out. So Bobby and I used to have this little game we would play. It's called burp and blow. I would burp, blow on him. He would sell the piss out of it. 
he would sneak up on me, burp, blow it in my face. So we're going down the road about 70 miles an hour and it's raining like hell. And, uh, I caught Bobby not paying attention. I leaned over and burped and blew in his face and he whipped around and got a whiff of that and puked all over my chest. I mean, it was right on my chest and man, I pulled over and he hit, he hit it again. And now he puked in my lap. I'm pulling off the road. There's cars squealing all around us, pull off the side, open the door. I went to pull that shirt off. And as I pulled it over my head, I got another whiff of his puke. And now I puked all over the windshield that set him off. Now he's puking in the floorboard. He's puking on the window beside him. He opens the door, falls out the right side. I'm on the left side. Now I got puke in my lap puke, which was on the shirt, the front of my shirt, right below my chin. I threw it off. I pull my Zubas off. I'm naked on the side of Interstate 70, puking my guts out the door. Can you imagine? This was like uh, that that scene in How High where they eat, they they smoke the dead body or whatever, and then they just start puking. Uh, That one kid just projectile vomits for like a half hour. That's what this was. This whole scene, Arn gets puked on his shirt, and then he's taking his shirt off, and he gets puke on his face and puking his manly chest hair, puke on the floor, puke on his shoes. Then he pukes because the puke is gross. And we're just trapped in this car, moving down the freeway, people just burping in each other's faces and puking all over each other. It's fucking disgusting. And then Arn's naked, taking his clothes off and shit on the side of the road. Just another day in the wrestling business. This is what it's all about, people. This is what wrestling is all about. It's not about in the ring. It's not about tag you're in. It's not about one, two, three, getting the finish, hooking the leg. It's about puking in each other's faces on the road trip to the next town. That's what wrestling's about. You take the road trip with the boys, get a little gimmicked up, and you puke in each other's faces. That's how you live in the wrestling business. That's how it's supposed to be done. That's what Undertaker, my boy Mark, that's what he was talking about. He was saying that guys need to be puking on people's faces a little bit more in the wrestling business. Back in his day, guys used to puke all over each other all the time. Shove pencils up each other's asses and shit. Now they don't do that anymore. Times have changed. Undertaker looks down on that. Some people would say it's a good thing that people don't get pencils shoved up their asses or get puke in their faces. I think a little puke in your face is good. Especially if you got a beard, a little bit of it gets stuck in your beard. That shit's going to be on you. It's going to stick to you. It's going to be in you. You're going to smell it and and it's going to be in your essence, whether you take a shower or not. Well, you can take five showers. You're going to come out and you're going to still maybe want to puke again because Jesus Christ, some dude just puked all over you. This might have been the most disgusting story I've ever heard in the wrestling business. Maybe more disgusting than X-Pac putting a turd on Mark Henry's sandwich. Probably more disgusting than Randy Orton shitting in a diva's purse, right? Puke in your face. 
You can check out the Arn Podcast every single Tuesday, wherever Tuesdays are found. See what I did there? See how I spun it? One of my favorite eras in the WWE was around the WrestleMania 20, 21, 22, 23 era, even into 24. I think that was a real peak, like after the Attitude Era, kind of slightly after the it could be considered ruthless aggression era still, but I would say it's a little bit past that as well. But definitely before they got all PG and shit. So this was that prime era. And one of my favorite WrestleManias was WrestleMania 22. Amazing matches on there. But there was one with Vince McMahon versus Shawn Michaels. And we're talking about that here on the uh, Saturday night's main event leading up to that WrestleMania. And we're here with Conrad Thompson and Bruce Pritchard. Pritchard, not Pritchard. Talking about Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon. Check it out. We did see a, uh, a long recap of the whole Vince McMahon versus Shawn Michaels feud for their WrestleMania match. Of course, we know we've got a big tag match coming up after WrestleMania. Vince really liked getting involved with the talent. I mean, of course, first of all, it was all about him and stone cold. And then eventually it was about him and Hogan. Uh, I guess somewhere in there it was him and flair too, but now him and Shawn Michaels, does Vince sort of insert himself in these spots and say, what if, or does someone bring it to him and he has to be talked into these type situations? Most of the times he had to be talked into him. Do you think he would always start with somebody else? Right. And no, God damn it. I'm too old to be on TV. I don't want to be on TV. Put somebody else on there that got, it's going to, I'm not going to make the live events, get somebody on there. That's going to do that. And then it's okay. Well, what if we did this? So he usually took a little bit of talking. I think everybody remembers and considers the stuff he did with Austin to be the very best. Uh, and then maybe under that, the Hogan stuff, where does the Shawn Michaels stuff fall for you and for him? Cause I know they had a, a very special relationship in real life. Um, different. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. The whole God stuff and everything. And, uh, it was interesting to say the least. I find that interesting that Vince didn't ever really want to participate. I get being the boss. I don't, you know, give it to other guys and all that shit. But at the same time, he's the boss, right? So he can make that decision and be like, no, absolutely not. So I don't know that Vince could get talked into appearing on TV. I think there's a little part of him that wants to, but I'll take Bruce's word for it. But I'm glad he got talked into it because that whole angle with Shawn Michaels ran right through WrestleMania where he was killed, murdered dead in WrestleMania. If you watch that, Shawn Michaels beat the ever-loving fuck out of him. It was another one of Shawn Michaels' classic, great WrestleMania matches, but in a different way. It was more of a hardcore match or a street fight. It wasn't a five-star wrestling clinic like he had the year before with Kurt Angle, which we talked about earlier. This was a brawl. And Vince McMahon, he is always willing to get his ass kicked and one of the best at getting his ass kicked. And he gets heat. He is one of the biggest villains in professional wrestling history and the talent that he's been able to make being a villain i mean he made stone cold steve austin what else could you possibly say you can check out the something to wrestle podcast with 
Bruce Pritchard every single Friday. Go listen to it. Just just listen. You know you're already going to listen to it. You don't need my recommendation to. MJF was on Talk is Jericho this Friday. And they just buried everybody. In character. That's the title of the show, I believe. MJF buries everybody. They buried the entire AEW roster. And they don't hold back. And they just go on and on and on about all these stupid fuckers. That they got to deal with in their AEW company. And how great they are. Completely in character. As always. MJF's always in character. He don't break kayfabe. But Jericho usually does. But Jericho played it in character. A little toned down. But still in character. But it was really the origin of Jungle Boy. That really got my attention from this interview. So I wanted to share that with you. Check this out. First time I won it. I uh, defeated pretty much. Well I, I mean I defeated a bunch of people. There's a bunch of people that are in that uh, battle royal. Uh, it came down to me, Jungle Boy, and Hangman. Jungle Boy Jack Perry is very dumb. I don't know if you are aware of this. He was, I, I believe he was... Soccer rocks. Believe he, I believe he was actually raised by a, a pack of chimpanzees. I, I don't even know if he's literate, if I'm being completely honest. Well, here. I know the story is that... Is oh, that what's the deal? He was originally born... Uh, he, here's something about him. He's the son of Luke Perry, the actor. Now, I was told he was raised by chimpanzees. Well, what's but, going but, on I'm, here, I'm getting to it. He, okay, he, my apologies. He, I, he he wasn't raised by Luke Perry, but he's the son of Luke Perry, ah, who so, was a very famous actor. Luke passed away a few years ago. Yes, very famous actor. Yeah. Problem is, Luke didn't. Uh, he, he was he was working a lot. Yeah. At the time, how you gonna take care of a kid? What are you gonna do? You nine hundred two one zero. Hey yeah, Brandon, let's true. go to the beach pit. I got my kid. Yeah. Don't work that way. So he basically took Jungle Boy. Yeah. To to the L.A. Zoo, okay, right down there in La Brea, yeah, yeah, and he left it outside the chimpanzee cage, yeah, right. You know, it only makes sense because I, I can only imagine how ugly of a baby that was. It's not something you want to look at. Well, and that's the whole Jungle Boy thing. Yeah, the, the guy can barely string together three words. Yeah, it's I mean, terrifying. people around here they applaud him when he says a two word promo yeah. that you and I would fart out. Oh my god, you know what I mean? And and, and so understatement. He, it was, yeah. So yeah. oh, Jungle Boy can talk. Oh, come on, really? Yeah. No, he said good. Pro- really a good promo because he said my name Jungle Boy. Yeah. I don't like you. I, I Jungle Boy. I don't like you, Chris. You stink. Yeah, exactly. Come on, like, man. Hey, and he goes and pukes in the corner. God, little, every time. Little weirdo. What a Just, weirdo. What a weird. What a weirdo. You know, I never liked that guy. Who does? You know, little chicks apparently. People uh, go well, nuts we don't for him. People go nuts for him singing his. Who who sings a wrestler song? These idiot fans coming Weird. up there singing Jungle Can Boy. Can I tell you something? Who would sing Jungle Boy songs? So dumb, so dumb. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Who would who would sing a wrestler's theme song it's out that, loud? It makes me mad. It I you it know? makes me mad. Oh oh, oh oh oh! Put a shotgun in my mouth and pull the freaking trigger. Horrible. So there you have it. That's exactly where Jungle Boy came from. I never knew that. Never knew how that worked. But it makes perfect sense. There he is, right there. Um. Fun interview. Anytime you get to hear MJF just talk, MJF has almost no filter. I think he's smart enough to walk right up to that line and know his limits, but he will catch you off guard with some shit. You know, like dropping a turkey tits reference to Conrad Thompson on on AEW. And if you're not an AEW guy, yes, Conrad Thompson was on AEW, and he was called Turkey Tits by MJF, which was hilarious, because Turkey Tits. Worth checking out if you're a Maxwell fan. I'm a fan of Maxwell myself, so I enjoyed it. You can check out Talk is Jericho every single Wednesday and Friday. 
We got more Steiner Brothers conversation this week on the podcast front. Grillin' JR covered Rick Steiner individually, separate from Scott, as Rick got his start in the business prior to Scott coming into the business. And a uh, good little good little walk through memory lane with the Steiner Brothers on this one. But it was this in particular moment, given what we talked about earlier, where Conrad asked JR if the Steiners were known to be ribbers at all in the ring or backstage or whatever the fuck. Check this out. The Steiners are known for their ribbing. We've heard a lot of their ribs from the NWA and WCW days. Do you remember there being any WWF rib stories that come to mind? No, not really. Again, I wasn't on the road around those guys. I saw them at TVs. So nothing sticks out, but they were, they were good natured, you know, fun loving guys. I don't remember any ribs that took place that were harmful or where they, you know, the, all the famous ribs, you know, uh, where when Terry Taylor came in, they, somebody, when he was in the ring, they took his, uh, got scissors and shredded his suit just cause they didn't like him from previous days. Right. Type deal. Uh, but no, I don't remember any, anything that would, would, would have been, uh, physical or hurtful, maybe ornery, maybe mischievous, but certainly not, uh, in a overtly harmful way. No, 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 not at all. No, they didn't really rib anybody. No, no, no. We just, I mean, shoving pencils up people's asses, maybe a little bit here and there, but no, they weren't ribbers. Now, we are comparing the word of Jim Ross versus the word of Eric Bischoff. So take that with a grain of salt as well. But I don't fancy Bischoff a liar or a uh, somebody that's going to make shit up. Um... I don't know what JR saw. I don't know what Eric saw. I don't know what the truth is, but you've heard other stories about the Steiners being ribbers and 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 nasty, violent ribbers at that and just bad tempers and attitudes, I guess Scotty more than Rick. So you be the judge. You've heard two stories here today. One of the angelic Steiner brothers who never really ribbed anybody and one of the Steiner brothers that duct tape people and shove pencils up their ass. So you be the judge. I'm just here to present you the content. I'm not here to say which is which. You That's for you. You you go with what your gut tells you. You can check out Grillin' JR every single Thursday wherever podcasts are found. You can find them on the podcast app or another podcast app or Spotify, YouTube, probably. It's all over the place. Just, just JR. Just find it. That's it. That's all we got. It's been a wonderful show. I appreciate you hanging out with me, catching up on all the podcasts of the week, getting my opinion. I appreciate if you give your own opinion, you can put it right down there in the comments. If you're listening on YouTube, you can just think them in your own head and and telepathically send them to me if you're listening on podcasts because there's no comment spot on the podcast. Please like, please follow, please subscribe, please share, please support me. I'm trying to grow this, trying to trying to blow the fuck up, right? Trying to get this out to the masses. And I need help from you, the listener, to like it and support it 
and do all that stuff that the internet always asks you to do. Follow me on Twitter, at Seth Grimes Media, and I will tweet you some stuff. And uh, let's have some fun. Just bullshit with me. If you comment, I'll try to comment back if I see it. If you leave some bullshit negative comment that's going to just ruin my day and make me cry, then I'm probably not going to respond to you because I'm going to be crying. <laughs> so long, y'all. <laughs>